everybody. This is Nancy Miller from My Creative Life, the podcast about creatives, how and why they make the work that they do. And today I have my return guest, Jimmy Wimmer. She's here with me. Um, Jimmy is currently uh, resides in Savannah and is a full-time art professor. She instructs all levels from freshmen through seniors in traditional and digital drawing and drawing for storyboard. She raised two sons while working through her art education degree and earning an MFA in illustration. Hi, Jimmy. How are you doing? Hi, Nancy. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no, it's my pleasure. I always enjoy chatting with you and um, and you just you have lovely work and um, great insights about art education and just the beautiful work, your your pencil work. Yes, your lovely pencil drawing from The Wizard of Oz. Um, it was gorgeous. I, I love the detailing in it and the storytelling was just really beautiful. So, um, yeah, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, I'm so excited about that piece, too. I'm trying to wrap up a current series, and I want to jump into The Wizard of Oz because um, it's public domain, and we have that accessibility. And I just want to handle it with the vintage approach, um, traditional meets light digital, and just try to tell a story again from a, a unique perspective. I got the model booked, so I'm going to see her next week with her dad. So we'll have some great references. And like references are are something, you know, I mean, we're going to kind of touch on this topic today and references and gaining references, I think is still going to be part of what we do as artists, but also kind of possibly replaced a little bit by AI here and there, um, depending on what we need. So it'll be interesting. Yeah. And that brings it to the topic today about AI and how it's been quite the talk uh, with artists and all kinds of creatives and writers. I mean, it's everywhere. And so I really appreciate it. You've been willing to talk about it. And I've always noticed on your post that, you know, you bring up some insights about AI and how that could impact um, creatives in general. So. Oh my, I've always, uh, obviously with our generation, we grew up with traditional tools. Um, the second computers kind of hit this, the scene I said, oh, I got to get a computer. I remember Toy Story coming out and you're like, oh, guess what you have to learn now? <laughs> so keeping your your head to the, to the ground, your ear to the ground, so to speak, and knowing what technology is happening, I've always tried to learn uh, modern technology, whether it's, you know, what FTP program you need to upload a website, how do you build a website, you know, from the very roots up, you know, how to edit a drawing, you know, using Corel way back when. Uh, so there's always, I remember using paint way back when <laughs> I thought this is ridiculous, uh, but obviously technology has just blown up uh, in our in our um, middle years here. And it's just, uh, it's overwhelming. Um, the tablets, the Procreate, uh, all those apps. Um, I was in Procreate back in 2012, very early on in convincing some of my peers even like, you need to try this. This is really incredible, intuitive, very easy to use. Um, and that's what we've always been after. I have always thought it was kind of unique that whatever program we were using, Photoshop, Corel, or Procreate, we were all trying to attain a traditional drawing and painting look for the most part, or cartooning. <laughs> so there was also that aesthetic look uh, that's blown up as well with the just incredible saturation of colors and line control. So it's been kind of like, wow. So. Then there's VR, AR. I've tried both of those, and and they're really fascinating. Um, and I think VR has a lot of purposeful use, especially when it comes into therapy, because it is very emotional and intuitive. 
um, to the to the brain. You can be hooked up to VR, and and I had a, a lady who does this. She does VR therapy for folks that you can be hooked up in another world uh, visually and get your like burn dressing uh, redressed and you feel less pain because your mind thinks it's somewhere else. I said, that just blows my mind. So whether it's physical therapy or, you know, trying to reassess trauma, you know, there's, there's going to be this massive collection that's coming. We can't stop it. And I think that's something that everybody has to become, you know, uh, I think that's why we're all uncomfortable talking about it because we know we can't stop it. We can't stop AI per se. Um, what we can try to do is create laws and regulation and you know how how fast Congress moves. Um, so there is some intrepidation, like is anyone gonna care about the creative artists, um, musicians, you know, folks that are doing this stuff? Um, I think art in particular, man, we're we're getting slammed when it comes to folks suggesting they're an artist already and and selling AI work as their own on products already. And folks, the, the general mass public has no idea that this has just been generated with prompts and not really the person themselves, you know, taking a hand and skill and years of time to the piece. Uh, it's almost kind of insulting to us artists. <laughs> it's like, you know, all that time and years we spend trying to to really hone our craft. And I think that's the the main thing is process and honing of our craft and acquisition of these skills has just automatically been dumped into an informational system like and everybody has access to it. And it, it's really unnerving. So it's uncomfortable for a topic. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's like there's always that, you know, the the parts of me that go, wow, you know, this could go hor horribly wrong. But then there are things about it that I go like, oh, this is kind of convenient. And <laughs> so correct. Yeah, I go like uh, I had told you, like, you know, to be upfront to those people who are listening. You know, I still switched over to using um, AI to clean up the podcast because I found I am a mediocre at best um, audio engineer. <laughs> That's truly a skill set that I don't have. And it takes me hours. I was literally struggling and watching YouTube videos. And then I was like, oh, let me try this. And then I was like, oh, this is so much faster, but it does allow me to go back in. And when I, there are goofs and uh, mess ups where I just want to make myself sound a little bit more intelligent, I can go back and make those edits where before I would just struggled so much with um, cleaning up the audio. So yeah, I mean, so there's definitely some um, pluses. And have you noticed, like, do you feel like what are some of the, the positives that we as artist creators can benefit from using AI? The I've heard it being said that, you know, the age of uh, uh, knowledge is over. Like, you know, we're not really making anything new knowledge. Now it's the information age per person or general pop, let's say. Um, so even our students, I, I, I'm not always certain that it's this acquisition of knowledge that they need as a, as opposed to how to manipulate the information as what it's become because <laughs> the rapid fire of email text internet you know nonstop fast 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 um i noticed even even in my own writing and in my own uh grammar and and just the the in-depth uh writing level that i could do had changed over the last 10 years because when i read stuff 10 years ago i'm like wow i sound smart <laughs> now i'm like i sound rapid fire fast kind of just you know 
can, you know, I'm, I'm a little jumbled and it's just because of all these distractions that our brains are kind of rewiring for. So our, our, our young people are definitely in, into this, you know, we expect them to read long books and I'm like, that's not realistic in the terms of the world that they're living in. So I've watched students pull up things like Grammarly pretty quickly or chat GPT really quickly. I have to, I have to say, uh, one of the best uses for chat GPT, and this can go for ev anyone and everyone. Um, when you're upset or you're frustrated or you're emotional and you're writing an email to someone, run it through chat GPT first and say, Hey, could you make this more professional? <laughs> It'll do that at a heartbeat. And then you can kind of reread it and reassess your emotional gauge, which I think we could all use for practice. So when it comes to saving time, um, cause we're just doing so much. I know they said computers were going to improve our lives, um, in our workload, but they've actually just exponentially made more work for us in so many ways, um, with, with data and planning and, and everything that's required. I love how, you know, ChatGPT can just rearrange something. You can give it a template and say, I, I need you to take all this information and organize it in, in the means of a template or a lesson plan or an assignment, and it'll do it in a heartbeat. And the, the the one watch out for some of these things though is it's not it's not perfect and it's an it's an improving system it, it doesn't really know completely what's going on um it's just being reactive it has a limited memory it's not like self-aware ai like we're afraid of in the movies yet um and i think that's where we started getting a little creeped out because the early chat gpt stuff it sounded like you were talking to a person and it was a little like uh weird <laughs> then you're starting to like do you have emotions you know what are you saying here and it was bizarre um because we don't want that we we just want you know data interpretation so really crazy stuff um i i like the speed of something that you can get really fast uh but i also get very concerned with the ethical collection of that data you know when they say they're not using artwork or blah 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 but they are i mean it's inevitable we put everything online but we've also kind of done that anyway with our hive mind. You know, no one's completely original. And it's not like we lived in a box. We looked at other artists. We looked at other artwork. We were influenced by all the things around us culturally. And now we're in this cultural boom of technology. Um, I always had this theory that art and, and was connected to culture and the means that if you saw a shift in politics, economy, education, environment, technology, or religion, you were going to see a big shift in the way things were either produced, consumed, or made. Um, indigenous tribes are, are separate from this because they're often, you know, passing on history, their own culture, and it, it has to stay the same. It doesn't change. But, you know, our technology boom now is just blowing up. And uh, it, it's all over the place. It feels like, like the cat's out of the bag, Pandora's out of the box. Everybody has a saying for this, like, you're not going to take it back. Um, and what we do from, from here on now is, is really about, you know, protecting artists, hopefully. Um, I, I, I wish I was more optimistic about that. And I know there's a lot of artists fighting a good fight because they have the power and the platform to, the rest of us are hoping that they make those, you know, big waves for us, little guys on the bottom. Um, but at the same time, like, if you look back there was a lot of artists who said digital art was going to kill their careers too. So this is really about, you know, the impact of commercial art more than anything. Uh, Cause commercial arts linked to financial fiscal uh, uh, connections. And if you, if, if you have a budget, it's going to be in question. 
and AI can alleviate speed and time and, and it's still very good, that's where we're scared because it is pretty good and it does happen really fast and it's super cheap um, as opposed to hiring an artist uh, who needs more time. Maybe really good, but maybe they're very, very expensive. And that's where that little bubble is going to get squished, unfortunately. I think we're going to see the pendulum swing back to like handmade craft. Um, hopefully, like, you know, when it comes to weaving and, and hopefully printmaking and clay, like making things with your hands as a maker for the human touch. Um, but we're going to see a big wall go up, I think, when it comes to visual art, uh, commercial versus uh, fine art in the fine art world, art for art's sake, so to speak, um, versus a, a particular client need. So yeah, it, it's it's friggin' fast. <laughs> can't see. That's how I'm like, wow, I can't believe sometimes the the quality that you can get with the speed and and it's it's a little unnerving, but it's also it's fun, but not as fun as making something. <laughs> Just want to stress that. Uh, and that's where we might lose a little bit of our touch of humanity. How, how patient is the person uh, to make something of quality for themselves? You know, uh, that's a good point. I mean, can I was curious which of the AI, you know, visual generators have you used the most, or you found that um, is maybe even more common with your students? You know, they're more. Hmm even concepting very quickly because that's where I go like oh this could be really nice if you could like you know this like um it, it, like playing advocate if I were like an illustrator be like well you know like it's very time consuming for whatever aspect whatever portion of the process and how could I speed up what I do by using AI but but that's not the finished product per se right right um I so like I remember it was I think it was two years ago I tried Wamba Dream and I showed it to my husband and we we're like, wow, like it's not, it's not a representational of anything, but it was like a interesting, good composition of abstract shapes, colors and, and values and tones and everything you needed to get that kind of feel and look. And I was just like, this is, this is, this is going to go fast. And it did. Um, Dolly, Dolly 2, Disco Diffusion kind of came out right around, it kind of hit the mainstream social media right around the same time. And everybody, you know, a lot of the misconceptions is it'll never be as good as humans because it can't do hands or it can't do faces. And at the time, that was pretty true. You know, um, I said, it's just a matter of time. This is a learning um, algorithm. You know, I'm not going to pretend I know all the tech behind it, uh, but we, we make improvements to improve upon and exponentially everything grows in that circle. It doesn't go backwards uh, when it comes to technology. I, and then mid-journey. Uh, that's the one that kind of really made a lot of, it's still not great with hands. Occasionally see a hand come out somewhere, but it, those who know with Photoshop can take that out. I mean, it's, it's a quick editing tool to a point. Um, and it is fascinating to see. I, Mint Journey can, can generate quick thumbnails, quick compositions. Um, it can make it photorealistic. It can make it look like 3d sculpture. Um, if you want, and it, sometimes I get kind of sad cause I'm like, oh, I, I would have made that, you know, and I don't ever really use this stuff. I'm just more or less tapped into it because I'm very curious about it. And I want to see where is my ethical responsibility to teaching with it and when does that come in? Um, now, Photoshop is making some waves because with Photoshop's new beta version, their generative fill, their Firefly, um, as soon as we get an update and we have to do the update, we're exposing those to students who have 
previously maybe not had that update in the classroom. They might have it on their own devices. That's one thing. Um, we're going to have to put it on our classrooms because we can't not update forever. So with a major company like Photoshop, Adobe, uh, tapping it into all these AI resources, we are going to be forced to address it in the classroom. And we've already started to open up that discussion a little bit of, you know, showing students maybe how to do it with responsibility. You know, don't plagiarize. When is this useful? When is it not useful? Um, so that so that you can benefit from the best creative mindset for yourself and, and not rely on a crutch. You know, it's a tool or it's a crutch. Um, for those of us that are artistically, you know, mature or, you know, evolving in that mindset of process and thought and concept, that's going to be a tool. For people who are like, look what I could do, <laughs> it's going to be a crutch. And the work will always have that appearance. Like, there's there's a few people online. You can follow them and find them pretty easily. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. You know, if you're pumping out, like, five of these a day and they're five different styles and you're rotating through and you're calling this your art. I'm like, that's, that's, that's a loose um, term. So that's where I go old school. And I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> you let the computer do that. Um, commercially though, if it could fit on a, a packaging and be used that way and just with a slight twist of some manipulation, it, it'll, it'll, it'll happen. The problem is, is that it'll happen and it will hurt the livelihoods of artists who are in the concept world um, big time because they're going to be expected to do more of this tweaking at a lower cost because they have the tools, um, especially because everybody knows about the tools. It's not like it's just an artist club like Photoshop, you know. Um, it, it's it's really kind of nuts. Uh, there have been a few other chat GPT kind of replicas that I've toyed around with, but that's kind of the one that still sticks. Uh, whenever I'm just like, hey, you know, I need a recipe or something like that, and maybe can you tweak it? Um, it's like having the internet uh, secretary on the other side, an internet admin <laughs> that I can talk to. I and and I think that's going to become more prevalent because writers will use the art tools, and artists are probably going to use the writing tools. If I can have someone edit my grammar. Yeah. I'm probably not going to end up paying for that again. Um, so it's going to be a catch-22 when a writer is going to use AI to make a book cover and not hire us artists again. So we're going to have to become like a one-stop shop, possibly, uh, where we're doing everything ourselves. I agree with that. And I feel like it felt like that move was kind of happening, though. And like, at least in my mind, even before like more of that AI stuff, I don't know why, but I feel like compared to like, this dates me, but 15, 20 years ago, when I was having a freelance career, trying to have a freelance career and have a full-time job, you know, we didn't have all of this social media aspect. I feel like, which is one of the things that can be overwhelming to me personally, some people do it flawlessly, but it's this, like, you're almost like a content creator. Like, it's like you are not only just doing the illustration work, which 15, 20 years ago, I felt like you just did the artwork and then people just gave you a job and you just did here's the assignment and now i feel like more so the ev evolution of illustration has been this thing of like okay if you're an illustrator and it, for me being interested in picture books it was like okay i might need to be also a social media marketer 
oh, I also need to do X, Y, Z. I feel like it, it can be uh, overwhelming in the number of things that taken as accepted as this is now what illustration yeah the job absolutely i mean oh gosh i went i I finally toyed back to illustration with my degree later in life only to miss all the opportunities uh in this in the center but uh social media i used to like it in the beginning i was like oh this is fun and this is cool this is how you can get your stuff out um and i think it was fine when you were you know, maybe in the beginning stages of it, you could reach your audience easy because the algorithms weren't working against you for profit. Um, and now it's just become a, a big money grab. And that frustrates authentic people and authentic users and authentic artists. Um, I can tell pretty quickly when people's posts are written with ChatGPT. Like there's like social media, like you put it in Instagram. You can set it up and say, hey, I need 30 posts of, you know, Instagram, social media things and copy paste them in, you know, once a day. I, how awful is that? Like, I mean, I almost breeze right through that stuff. And yeah, if we find someone who makes a post about an authentic, you know, personal uh, touch to the, to their work or something, that seems to resonate more. Um, I get absolutely exhausted by social media. I handle it for a gallery and I try to funnel all the artists through it and then, I kind of juggle a little bit of some posts for uh, our foundations just here and there for stories. And then I'm trying to figure out how to, where do I do it? Where do I do it as a teacher? It's just, it becomes this noise after a certain point. Um, and you have to unplug every now and then you do. I, I highly recommend that. Sometimes I turn off Facebook or, you know, t- delete my Instagram app for a little while before I put it back on my phone. Um, there's a book by Jared Lanier who's like 10 reasons to delete your social media account right now. I got done with that and I was like, oh, I got it, you know, and it's just a much healthier way for all of us. Um, Either we bend to the commercial, you know, forces that be, or we try to reclaim some of our authenticity in these, in, in this, this world. But the second you do that, I mean, you might not get your fan base. You can't reach your audience anymore. You can't check into that. And then a lot of um, art directors or publishing houses, sometimes now they're asking, well, how many followers do you have? Like they won't even touch you unless you have like, you know, do you have 10,000 followers or 5,000 followers that they can tap into? And they know that you're a part of that marketing machine. And and it's like, wait, I thought you guys were supposed to do all this. <laughs> and it has changed, you know, like uh, this the, the scrutiny and as the generations have changed and technology has changed as well within these seats, um, the, the job that's <laughs> changed, uh, for all of us. And that's the hard part. Cause I don't want to do anything other than to make pictures. I'm sure you can relate to that. I just want to tell the story. I want to be in my creative spirit. I don't want to, you know, that's, I don't want that to be 10% and then 90% is selling, selling, selling. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. Um, I was at an art opening the other night and listening to a bunch of us artists talk and I got kind of quiet. I'm listening and all they're talking about is selling, selling and niches and where they're going to go. And I'm like, nobody's talking about their art, uh, what they're working on or excited about, or, you know, what, what the subject matter is or what they're trying to say. It was all about how are we going to hustle? And now we're in a hustle culture. So YouTubers, Instagram, social people, influencers, it's hustle, hustle, hustle. And I'm like, I don't want to hustle, Nancy. I agree. I feel like um, I finally just kind of backed off of doing 
so many posts on things because I was just like, I felt like this little hamster and the treadmill. I'm just keep going. And it was it was wearing me down. I was like, the joy of what we do as artists, like that's the part that I always want to keep in the forefront. And when I feel like those things like the podcast is different. I have a great time. I get to talk to these amazing creatives and learn it. I always say it's like a graduate class because I'm getting, you know, um, a session. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm learning from other people's um, experiences. And I was always that weird kid in high school. Like I volunteered at nursing homes and I always thought it was amazing because here's somebody who had lived a life and they've done so much. And I just sit there and it'd be like, tell me your story. And they would gladly share all the things that they'd done. And I was just like, this is so much fun. So this is different to me. And I learned so much. And I feel like people who listen, if they're looking for, you know, creating, you know, their art careers and getting it starting, started, like, I feel like this information is helpful to them. I think everybody needs that one thing that's different that you can do, like, whether it's an instrument or cooking or working out. I, it, it's the social media that shouldn't be the other interest. Nonstop because I think that kind of tears us down. I don't feel like it necessarily builds us up. Um, I refuse to get on TikTok. I, my husband and I went on TikTok for half a day and realized right away that we were sucked right into laughing nonstop, having a good time. But I was like, we're not getting anything done. This is not a proactive app for us. So we 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 bailed it right away and it's not i didn't believe that it was all that safe either so i was like yeah bye bye tiktok um instagram's getting on my nerves facebook <laughs> it's also kind of like you got to be careful you 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 go on facebook now and you're basically uh you're you're stepping on little stones hopefully not to set off a trigger or get somebody upset and everybody is just really wound up and we're not having the conversations that we need to be having face to face you know, or podcast to podcast, uh, you know, versus, and I think there's a lot missing in the inflection, you know, when you have a communicative person to person discussion that you don't get online right away, you know, you're, you're, you're injecting different biases, um, different tones in your mind and you're like reading it wrong and maybe it's not that way, but, and then we're all just overly defensive. I think it's been a, a, a disastrous social experiment on our our mindset and our ability to communicate, to be honest. As far as in terms of education, how are you keeping up with all of this stuff? Because that amazes me that you you keep up with all that. I find it very overwhelming, though it is good that you're, I mean, it's excellent that you're doing that because it helps inform your teaching and also it benefits your students because then they can learn how to incorporate it the, in a positive way. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely clarify because some there are some programs I'm like okay that I'm not going into that territory because I only have so many years to live. <laughs> uh, things that are like 3D based, uh, Blender. I'm like you know what I'm good. I like making pictures, but I I'm gonna step away from 3D software just to to clear that up. I don't necessarily keep my head down to all of them and and I used to try and I got exhausted and I said you know what I'd really rather be the master of some and versus the the jack of all trades here and, and not really get my teeth into it um but for students I show them every time there's something new I mean one of the things they don't do is they don't watch the news they don't actually tap into any national or global resources like you know BBC or anything like that 
And that's interesting because they get their news, you know, basically from social media or, you know, the applications that they use. Um, Discord was interesting to join onto. And I, I use it on occasion with students. And then I'm like, how do you guys even filter through all this? There's just way too much going on. I just need a very, you know, um, let me, let me kind of, psychology, I remember taking a psychology class and we talked about, and I used to have a project for it, but you had like your micro world, your meso world, and your macro world. Like your micro world is you, your loved ones, your family, your best friends. Then you had, you know, and your home and, 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 and maybe a little bit of school, but school kind of trickled into, you know, your, your meso system where you had school and states and government and, you know, rules and regulations that you have to follow and things like that. Then you had your macro system, your macro world, which was the whole global thing, which has shoved itself right in front of our cell phones every day. <laughs> so it is hard to filter through all this. But to just kind of reel it back in, you know, students, um, sometimes you think they're super tapped and you'd be surprised how little they don't, they don't uh, pay attention to. Um, you know, when I ask them, like, how many of you have tried like AI, you might get two in a class of 20. And you're like, are you interested in it? And they're all like, nope, not interested. And I'm like, okay. But I need you to be aware that everyone who's out there is also interested in it. And while you might have this academic higher sense of self-worth on how to make art, I, and I, I do validate that. I absolutely value it. I validate it. I, I believe in it. I went through it. There's a whole lot of other people out there who are going to scam this stuff fast quick, loose, suck it up, and they're going to hoover it and use it um, in any way possible to get their hustle game on and, and sell work and, and make money um, or steal your job. Um, how are you going to find that, that competition? That's not even a fair, it's not even close to being fair. It's not fair at all. Uh, so I try to encourage them. You need to know this stuff. Know your enemy, <laughs> right? Know, know your friends, but keep your enemies closer or something like that. I said, you need to understand what this is going to do to your um, commercial uh, prosperity in the future. And how are you going to use it and resource it ethically for yourself versus act like it doesn't exist? I think ignorance is the worst thing that you could possibly do with this technology right now. Um, I would love to say like, oh, it'd be great. And if, if that suits you, that's fine. Like, I love to just draw in pencil. Um I, I'm also not fighting for these jobs, right? I enjoy drawing in pencil. This is a personal thing. And as I make work, I make it for myself and a very limited audience. And I keep my projects fairly small that I can control and kind of be in charge of. Um, if I'm competing with a bigger bubble that's out there, I'm going to have to think Amazon-like, social media. I'm going to have to change my circle of influence on how I'm going to mass produce stuff. I'm probably going to have to tap into how AI can help save me time because it's not going to be about the quality anymore. It's going to be surely about the quantity, I think, uh, as this keeps funneling through. Illustration has already taken a huge turn. You don't see oil painters anymore. Um, children's books are a little different than, you know, some of those masterful uh, ones that you could see a $12,000, $20,000 upfront, you know, uh, sign-on fee. You don't really have that anymore. That's changed with commercial art. And now you're seeing much more embraced uh, fast style that can lead into animation. So it's all connected.
right, Nancy? Like it doesn't, it, it really comes down to, are you a commercial artist and that's your goal? Then you, you need to know what AI is doing um, and where it's growing and how it's gonna benefit and save time you know, for your process. Uh, if you're art for art's sake and you have this higher calling of like, it's, it's you know, all about process and this and that, um, then you, you don't necessarily need the AI or need to be aware of what's going on. But, you know, also don't be surprised if this is still going to infiltrate your life. Um, right? It's like everybody knows what Facebook is, whether we wanted it to or not. That's true. Um, I feel like it's one of those things. It's hard to say. There's parts of me that um, is excited, like the part that I'm excited for as a traditional, more so leaning traditionally since I build everything by hand. Like the one thing when I watched that Adobe, I think it was Adobe Firefly, they had the little pro uh, promo for it. And I don't remember where I saw it, Instagram, Facebook, wherever. But for me as a traditional illustrator, I was like, oh, if I could do my finished work and then I need to make some adjustments where I literally have to move something, but it me, me resetting it up, reshooting it and relighting it and having Adobe Firefly where I could just, okay, select that, move it over. Oh, it's generated the whole background. I did get very excited about that. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that would save me a lot of time. Um, I still like doing... I don't know, like the thumbnailing and the compositional stuff. I feel like my worry is like, you know, will it become overtly because it's building on itself, like you're we're feeding it this stuff. And then does it get to the point where it just kind of like gets very derivative, you know, that it's going to because you're just yes. returning the stuff over and over again. Yeah. I just go like, oh, well, I still I love that you're bringing that up because it is so true. I I I, I kind of lecture the mom talk on the students a little bit. Stop learning art just from tutorials and videos on YouTube and Instagram because like all of us become so homogenous that they just kind of feed off of each other. I'm like, this looks like someone else's work over and over and over and over and over. And I think AI does a little bit of that as well. Um, again, where's your authenticity? Who are you to make the work? I, or is it just cool looking? You know, and you spit it out, the work becomes kind of shallow. It might have an appeal to it, but is there really like, you know, that human touch that some folks can argue? It's so neat to see the two sides of the coin, right? Um, then there's the ethical, you know, how much of this stuff is getting scraped or stolen, uh, which is a big deal. Like, I wouldn't be happy if that was happening to me and I was somebody huge, like um, Jean-Baptiste Monk. For example, his work is so beautiful. He's kind of like, you know, along the lineage of Arthur Rackham and Alan Lee with his fantasy characters. And people were using his name and then selling the work they were making out of these prompts as book bags and, and T-shirts. And he's got to try to chase people now and get them to stop and cease and desist. And that's like, <laughs> that should not be what's happening with this technology, um, unfortunately. So that's that's the downfall of it all. Now, whether or not an artist like Jean-Baptiste is going to actually try to use it, I, I I could see where he might be like, there's a valuable thing here commercially, but if it's going to be ethically incorrect, uh, he's not going to touch it. Um, but I've also seen accomplished artists embracing it already. And I'm like, uh-oh, that's when you know. <laughs> You're like, uh-oh, 
when you start seeing someone of, of, of a name value, start embracing it and using it, that's when you know that, you know, you're losing that battle, that bigger battle of, you know, how are we going to try to regulate this? Uh, we can't regulate a lot of things in this country. And art, I'm afraid, is going to be one of those that's unregulated as well. And um, what do we do? I think it, it comes down to the end user and where you feel comfortable in this entire hustle. Uh, luckily, I you know, I feel very fortunate I teach. I'm sure you understand that too. Teaching gives us a lot of, uh, what's the word, latitude to be creatively controlling our own work. The second you step away from teaching, it becomes another hustle. Like you've got to hustle to sell your work, to make money, to eat, to pay the rent, uh, to pay the student loans, things like that. So I don't, man, I don't like, um, I can't say, you know, you're a bad person for doing it and you're a good person for not doing it. That I don't think that's going to be the, the main argument. I think it's just going to come down to whether or not, how are you feeling about it, right? How do you want to embrace it or not use it? You know, how do you feel comfortable or uncomfortable? Like, I am, I'll tell you right now, there's no way I feel comfortable having uh, an AI write me a whole book on a kid's story. It can happen, <laughs> but I'm not comfortable with that. I would personally feel like a, a total fraud. Now, would I use something to help me edit when it comes to grammar and punctuation? Absolutely. We use Word all the time, don't we? Um, it's the same kind of uh, resource there. So I don't want it to generate my ideas. I just want to help maybe use it to fine tune them if I need assistance on uh, making sure I don't make major mistakes, you know? That's a good point. Because um, it was interesting when you'd say about writing a children's book. So there was like, I read an article, a librarian accidentally ordered an AI generated nonfiction book. And so in the article, it was another person on staff. They were reading like, this is not like, there's something wrong with this book. And so people can figure it out. If somebody is like, like, I'm even like, oh, what was it? There's something I was just kind of curious. So I typed into chat GPT. I was like, this is an illustrator I know of their work and they're, you know, accomplished. And so I was like, okay, give me the list of the type of books that they have, you know, written or illustrated. And I was like, this information is incorrect. I was like, yeah. I know enough about the topic to know that that person has never done a children's book on this topic. And so it's like behooves us that I feel like you really have to still like, yeah, it's like playing telephone. You don't remember the whole game? You're like, yeah, you yeah. your friend. And then it's like, oh, by the end of it. And then it gets re, you know. Yeah. So it, for now, like right now, that's what chat GPT, you still have to go back and oh yeah, this legitimate information is been interesting because sometimes I'll read something that I asked it to clean up, and it forces me to actually slow down and reread. <laughs> I'm like, well, it's kind of helping me, you know. Sometimes I reread that email, make sure that that's structured correctly. I have seen um, emails come my way that might have a bio and I'm like, oh, that is so written by AI, you know, like it's repetitive, it's redundant, it's it's too flowery, you know, <laughs> like I could yeah. sense all these things pretty quickly, like whether a human is saying this or, or not. Um, and for anybody that's suggesting that they have these AI bots that are, that can sense fake AI, I, I, I tried one of those and I totally fooled it three times in a row. So I, I cried BS on that. <laughs> but like it, it is what it is. The information's out there. Um, 
we have to we have to be meaningful and i've that's what i've done with my classrooms is i've tried to make you know all of our lessons and and discussions and and anything about this is just meaningful authenticity like what are you trying to say like what are you trying to bring to this conversation um we've got to develop a deeper order of thinking in our own individuals versus just processing information. I think this is where the liberal arts in colleges and in schools, high schools, middle schools, we need the arts more than ever now. And, you know, that that's been on the chopping block every, you know, <laughs> every year, year after year, they want to get rid of these things. And you just can't, you know, um, that's where you're going to cross that that line of no return um the kid who doesn't have art classes growing up who's an artist needed that that engagement with their hands i uh, saw a cool toy this morning on a tangent here there was a we were watching i think it was the news this morning good morning america or something and we saw uh, an advertisement oh. on the show for something for little kids to draw so you draw the animal you draw the egg you draw the different subject matters and then you you take a picture of it and it's scans it right into this computer to play a game with your drawings. I thought that was fascinating. I thought, now that's a company that's thinking about how to engage our youth at the same time without just plugging in them into a video game. So being able to use your hands and, and make something and then pull that into the computer and get that combination, that's going to appeal to parents, that's going to appeal to the child, that's going to appeal to a bigger market. Um, versus just the game by itself. So I'm starting to see that. We always do that, though, don't we, we Nancy? We, we we care about child development at a young age, right? The toddlers, the, the, the tweens. But the second these young people turn into teenagers, everybody just, it's like hands off. Middle schoolers, high schoolers, they all have attitude. Just give them their cell phone, shut them up, you know? I, I and as a high school teacher, that just you have this is where you've got to connect with them, and it does take unique personalities to do that. <laughs> you got to be like, yeah, you got to like laugh with them, joke with them, feel with them, and you got to get them to to at least meet you halfway. And you're not gonna you're not gonna meet them all, but boy, it's a lot of work. And our schools are not supporting high schools the way we need to, not at all, not with the arts, not with vocational. You know, my youngest son is a good example of that COVID absolutely destroyed his high school years and then you know not having access to like vocational training was also detrimental so we we aren't thinking clearly or maybe we're thinking about it we just aren't doing anything about it you know as a whole yeah I and now do we slide AI into that mix with the middle school and high school yeah I don't know I I have a hard time with well I right now I'm teaching K through eight so I'm just like I personally wouldn't touch mm -hmm. it with a ten foot pole in my classroom because I really yeah. want them to you know really engage with their work and keep that joy of you know keeping it personal to what you know they're about and of course learning about artists and all that great stuff and techniques but it's yeah I just feel like you know. Like if I were that age and somebody said, oh, well, you can just do it this way and you don't have to do all this other stuff. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, no. And and really analyzing what child development is doing through their formative years from, you know, the age of, of entering school all the way through finishing college. Because, I mean, the, the fully functioning adults, maturity-wise, chemically, brain function, all of that jazz, 
doesn't really stop at 18. Uh, it continues on this sense of awareness and self, but if we gave teenagers cell phones and expected them to police themselves, they're, they're not going to be any better with the AI stuff. And instead it's just another, um, I think it's another pothole in, in a road of success, to be honest with you. I, I wouldn't put it in there. I know they want to, a lot of schools are embracing chat GPT and they're trying to teach with it and Grammarly and stuff like that. Um, that's gotta be, that's gotta be really guided. I think that has to be guided by professionals, educators who have the professional understanding of child development and what they're going to do with it. Um, but we have a, got a huge problem in this nation with folks assuming teachers aren't uh, professional in, in their understanding of how uh, a unique uh, human develops with learning styles and learning attributes and still going through the, the chemical mess of hormones for goodness sake. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I mean, I know my kids, for example, would probably not tell me everything because I'm their mom. But I also know that, boy, I hope that they have developed some relationships with other adults in their life, like teachers, um, coaches, uh, things like that. And that's that's necessary, that whole community raising. AI, I don't think it needs to go into high school or middle school yet. You know, um, I don't know. That's that's rough. I don't even think it needs to go into college, but we're we're not gonna have a choice. Um it's a it's coming out, it's gonna unroll, and instead of fighting it or creating any judgment on it, we have to prepare ourselves on how to have conversations with the people using it and saying, how would you use this correctly or ethically or, you know, but what about this? And also offer, you know, authentic uh, opportunities to do other things, you know, group work, for example. <laughs> Which they hate. <laughs> yes. Oh, so many complaints about group work <laughs> I, in high school. I just, I gave up. I was like, I tried the fight, the good fight, because then you get the ones that would work well together, like make such amazing projects. I was like, here is a case and then there would be like four other that four other curves that are just like it went down like a burning flag and then somebody put up the the surrender the white flag and that's then funny. just gave up i mean it's just like it, it was just such extremes that's what i experienced so when the chemistry and the communication skills were on point it was ph phenomenal i was like this is amazing. I, I cannot believe that, you know, three or four students got together and did this, but they were all like good communicators with each other or their communication styles for those students. Cause some were really shy in the, in the really successful group. But then I think it's just the way the, the chemistry or how they read each other or how they take each other's feedback. It, mm -hmm. you know, it would be very easygoing. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Was that your experience? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I do a group project with my storyboard class and I'll get, you know, maybe one group that didn't do so well. And they're kind of they're upset. It's always communication and organization, period. So you have to set up some of these safeguards to, to assist with that down the way, provide them leadership. You know, they're leading themselves, but also tap into their leader and pull them back and say, like, how do you become a better leader and delegate and things like that? It's always kind of a trick. It's always a trick. And I remember doing some group projects in high school and they were just kind of, I've always thought they just need to be straight up for fun, period. Because if I'm trying to come up with some weird learning objective here for them, they check out, you know, and I need all of them on board. So, you know, from the bottom to the top, like this is just about, you know, one thing, you know, 
whether it's a glitter bomb or some sort of like chalk drawings or the group activity is what became more engaging than necessarily like the product result in the end. Um, we did window painting, chalk paintings, things like that. Um, and it was usually like face painting, you know, we did a carnival once uh, for the first school that I taught at for six years. We would do this mocha mousse mic night, performance night. So we'd get kids who wanted to do like musical performances or bands. And then we would have this carnival set up with face painting and, you know, cotton candy. And you gave different kids teams and it became this huge community ordeal. It was insane. It got to the point where we took over the whole gym um, and people would bring their little kids. And the second you bring that community together with like older kids and little kids, that's that's pretty magical. I always found that to be the coolest thing because then you give them that sense of purpose. Just like, you know, working in nursing homes, bringing the older folks into the community as well. Um, we can't build walls. <laughs> so group projects can be totally fun. I don't see how AI can, I haven't really thought about AI filling into that necessarily yet. But I'm sure there's some things out there where you do a, a and I joke, a, like a hive mind, like a Borg, because our, our youth, are, they're kind of tapped in on their own terms, I think, of society through the back doors of Discord. And I can't think of all the different apps that they use right now, but a lot of them are gaming platforms and they have these little communities underneath us that we don't even know about. There's like this whole hive going on. They have their own morals, ethics, guidelines, people that they're going to vote for or what they want to see happen and change. And and we're not talking to them. <laughs> they're not talking to us. So I think that's maybe they'll ta tackle that AI question on group work before we will. Um, they'll figure out how they want to do it in some ways. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it brings up a lot of other questions and Definitely, we'll have to see in a few years, you know, how this all plays out, you know. <laughs> right. That's where it really will be interesting because I think for my son's generation and the younger generation, I go like, none of this will, I guess, you know, like this won't be a hot topic. This will just be everyday life and yeah. how they integrate it in, into their lives. And yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, so far the integration there's there's pros and cons. I mean, think about when we had to do feedback for every restaurant we go to or get a rating or, you know, this, this whole idea of filling out a survey or your medical records and trying to pay a bill. Like, oh my gosh, everything's become a little bit of a nightmare when it comes to some of this customer service. I worry about that for them because they're going to get looped into stuff they're paying for and they don't even necessarily need to pay for. I think this is like a huge way to money grab things off of people. Um, here and there it's kind of nuts and they kind of just go with it <laughs> they're not they don't fight it <laughs> they go with it and they're like sure click you know and I'm like no so you have to think about this stuff you know think about our parents where like I know my mom clipped coupons and checked every line on the receipt and I don't always check the receipt and I just put it in my wallet <laughs> I pay the bill and these folks, these younger folks, they just tap it and they, they click it and they pay it and they don't even know sometimes what's going on it. But yikes. I don't know. It's true. It is. And, and you know, because I think about when my son was little and I waited as long as possible, but then there were times where I was like, okay, he's acting up. Okay, here's here's mommy's phone. <laughs> okay, play with this on little. And then you train him so early on with this whole tapping thing and it's almost like, and it was always gamified. It was usually, you know, very entertaining. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, you bring up some interesting topics and that's why a lot of it, I, I very am hesitant to do as much digital stuff now because I, I did teach like digital stuff for high school and there are certain parts of it I do like because I love the parts where you can incorporate, like you said, where there's drawing or there's something tangible that they've actually engaged with and then go into that area yeah. because that is a lot of fun. But like I, I hesitate because there's like a disconnect. And even as an adult, I find that there's for me and that's why I do more tradi very traditional base work, because there's this weird disconnect for me from like. I did this all on the computer versus me holding it, touching it, right. moving it. And it's just how my brain works. And I, I go like, so yeah, I often think, tell people I'm no, no different than a five-year-old sometimes the way I'm making art because it just, it's one of those things. I literally have to have that physical connection with it. It just, there are parts I can switch out for digital, but the whole thing, I'm just, there's like, a Oh, absolutely. I a hundred percent agree. Like to draw, and to get that tactile touch, you know, from the paper to my fingertips is totally different than on a glass surface. And I'm also limited in so many ways on a digital screen when it comes to drawing. Um, it's fine for planning, I think, sometimes, and it's fine for fixing things up at the end. Um, I'm trying to reinforce my skills as a digital painter a little bit more just for the classroom because I teach that so much. Um, yeah, but I... I like it? Not really. <laughs> I love painting and drawing, but it doesn't seem to have a place in our um, commercial arts school that we're in because everything is so heavily reliant on digital. And this is where I do get concerned because if they don't have hand skills and they graduate in four years, but things swing back, you know, they're going to have to start over a little bit from scratch. You know, there's all this emphasis to get good at digital, but I think the emphasis needs to be we need to get good at art. And art is all-encompassing. It's history, it's communicative, it's concept. We have to reach into all of that, not just the digital tools per se, because it's just a tool. We have to remember that like when we go into AI now, it's just a tool. It's not who we are. And whether or not our society is going to embrace that, I'm not clear. I think when it's attached to a dollar, that's where I get pessimistic. Um, when it's attached to the human soul, I get very optimistic. <laughs> so... I think there's a group of people that will fend for artists, but there's a group of people who also will take advantage of them. So second, the last question I was going to ask. So are you working on um, anything that you wanted to share with us? Uh, well, Mike and I are still, we're, we're Wimmer Studios, you know, on our website. Of course, we have the Wimmer's Woods branch and stuff like that. Um, I'm working on my kid's book. I only have all the art like, 90% die, then I need to do the layout and the design and make sure everything is going to be working okay. Um, I won't even go into that creative process because it's been a little weird. And it's only because I do teach. So I have to put it on the shelf and then I have to come back. And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Then I have to put it on the shelf and then I have to come back. So it's a little bit broken that way. And I've learned how to kind of work with that. And then, of course, I'm 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 excited about the Wizard of Oz series. I've always loved Dorothy. I've always loved vintage uh, art from that golden era. I just want to give it a new, fresh perspective that's, you know, a throwback that, you know, I, I wish I could have been in that world <laughs> for a period of time when it comes to drawing, you know, whether it's the love of nature, natural line work, um, and just a, a sense of home, a feeling of home in the whole storyline, because I think that's the whole point of The Wizard of Oz, is, you know, she's trying to figure out how to get home through her story and meeting people along the way. 
you know, I, I love doing that kind of stuff. And those stories are from the heart, you know, and uh, I hope to do it some justice along the, the way. And of course, all the other projects are class demos. <laughs> so a lot of things like that nonstop. Uh, well, you're you're super busy, and I love seeing your posts of your work. And like, I definitely know that the Wizard of Oz piece, just from that initial piece that I saw, I was like, oh, that is beautiful. So, Aww. yeah, I love. Well, likewise, I love your work. I absolutely love it, and I I love that you're attached to to your heritage too. Because I've been I've been approached and told I need to, and I'm like, but I just don't. I don't have that connection and I'm learning so much through your posts that it actually inspires me. <laughs> you know, I'm embarrassed to say this, but it's like, it was, it, you know, I have personal reasons. Like, I don't know it. Sometimes I worry like between you and me, and I know this is also on a podcast, but I sometimes worry that people think that I'm doing it because it will somehow lead to this commercial success, which it has not, you know, but I really, it was a, a journey of kind of like because I immigrated here and at the time when you immigrated like eh, this was like uh, I'm embarrassed to say this 40 years or over 40 years ago it was such a different place here in the U.S. and it, it does make me very happy to see how the kids who are in elementary school they are very enthusiastic when they have a, a student who is somebody from another country they're fascinated by their language their culture and so I kind of picked up on, like, the fact that, you know, like, something that I felt was considered deemed unacceptable all those years ago, I was like, you know, now it's acceptable, and I want to yeah. learn more. You know, I want to yeah. learn about the things that I feel like I missed out on, you know, and it's so... Absolutely. So it just takes time, because I started Korean, and I was like, man, this, I cannot believe... I ever let the language go. I mean, it's like I only spoke it at a very, you know, like a kid level. But um, part of me goes like, I didn't realize, you know, how hard it is to learn another language. And so I it, em empathize with anybody who now, you know, it's like it brings me back and go like anybody who immigrates to the U.S., you know, it's it's hard. It's like a different yeah. culture. And those things that you just go like, I just kind of accepted this is the way it is, but now it has changed. And so it's like, I feel like it's, it's a good time for me to kind of learn and things that I felt like I missed out on. Yeah, no, I really connect with it. Every time I see your, your posts on these items, I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel a tinge of guilt that I'm not, <laughs> that I feel really inspired that maybe I should. Um, so, you know, not getting taught any of the language or culture other than, you know, I love Korean food. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to have to do that sometime. Oh, my goodness. I am definitely. And my mom raised us on Korean food, you know, on occasion. It was mostly hers, but we got to have it every now and then. <laughs> so. Well, I really enjoy every time I talk to you, it's delight. I could stay here all day and talk to you, but I know you have things that you need to do. Um, before we head out, where can people see um, your amazing work? Um, well, the, the quickest place is to just look at wimmerswoods.com. You'll see a combination of my husband and I. Um, personally, I'm all by myself on prettylions.com, which I might be revamping. We'll see <laughs> when I have time. <laughs> well, thank you, Jimmy, and thank you, everybody, for listening to My Creative Life. Bye. Bye.